The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Parenthood. Your life does not end here. Hi, I'm Christelle Lim, mother of two. And I'm Sarah Son, also a mother of two. We are longtime friends and now mothers. This is Being Bumo, a podcast about all things parenting. We want to have honest conversations about motherhood so we can each define it for ourselves. We're here to build our village and we hope that you join us. Hello. Hi, Chris. Sorry, I'm a little late. I had a kind of a late start. Why? I went out last night. Okay, tell me about that. I mean, it was fun because I went out with my other single mom friend, which is my only single mom friend. Is that a club? Or some sort it's of- not a club, but listen, actually, we should do a whole episode on this. You know how we talk about finding your tribe mm-hmm. when you are a new mom because that's so essential. It's the same thing when you're single in your 30s, 40s, and you have kids. There's not many people that are in kind of our boat, in our situation, right? I mean, there's a ton, but at least within our… They're not invited. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when you find those people, you kind of latch on to them because think about it. Most people at our age are booed up. They're like locked down. They're in a relationship. They have kids. They're busy. You guys, I love you guys. But it's like for the first year when I was going through my divorce, you guys were always like, okay, let's do it. But after a while, you just feel kind of bad being like, okay, I don't want to ask them to go out again. <laughs> So you just kind of have to have. (laughs) So you kind of have to have people in your circle that are on the same page. So it's not like exhaustive to try to find someone to do things with you. So I'm. I feel very lucky that I have that one person. Okay. Yeah. So I went out last night. Uh We actually went salsa dancing with Bruno Mars. I would have gone to that. And I. I was thinking of you because it was all Latin music, shaking your hips. I was like, oh, Sarah would have loved this. That's, I'm so glad you had a good good time. Thank time you. Out. Thank you. Well, today we are excited because we're continuing our newborn series. <laughs> newborn series with a topic that so many people are just struggling with. Yeah. Which is sleeping. Sleep. <laughs> sleeping, sleeping. Sleeping for babies, sleeping for parents. It's just so essential as a new parent. Yeah. So where should we start? We should start by going back a few years and trying to remember what our situation looked like when we first had our babies Mm -hmm. and what we were thinking at that time was the best setup to sleep. Mm -hmm. For example, I remember, again, this was 11 years ago for me when I had my first baby. And during that time, all the conversation around sleep with the baby was this whole concept of um, Dr. Ferber. He is the guy, at least in that time, that talked about the cried out method. This concept where you let baby self-soothe and if the baby cries, you don't, you attend but in a very minimal way and you let the baby cry until he falls asleep. And that was created by this doctor. doctor. Ferberized or something like that. And so um, I remember that was just a lot of the chatter. And when I talked to some moms who had older kids, they had all done it. They had all done the cry out method. And that's what worked and that's what was recommended. And that's what everybody talked about. There's a very strict schedule around it. 
And that's what I did with, with my firstborn. Mm. Kind of from day one, to be honest. Because that's all you knew. That's all I that's knew. that's what everyone was talking about. That's what everybody was talking yeah. about. And so we tried it out. I hated it with a passion. And with my second, I didn't do that. So then with my second, I almost went to the other side, which is called this concept of attached par- attachment parenting or attached mm-hmm. parenting. And he, that's Dr. Sears. And he, his whole concept was like, you can't leave a baby to cry. You have to really comfort and nurture the baby and they will develop these cycles and these routines and they will eventually fall asleep. It's not as quick and effective, but that's sort of the shift that I did between my first and my second. Gosh, so confusing. There's so many thoughts Difference, and opinions yeah. and different methods right yeah okay and I so think what they're all reactions to what's happening what was happening a decade ago okay so like if a decade ago everybody was doing attachment parenting but now we have a lot of working women and we have like people are busier and so now moms are, and dads are thinking about how can I get the baby into a routine to sleep better so I can go back to work or just everything is moving faster so then now we have this concept of maybe we can put a four-month-old in some sort of a schedule. So it, I feel like they're all responses mm. to what's happening before. Do you feel like with parenting, things go into trend mode sometimes? Yeah. I, I feel like so it too. does. Because yeah. it's like all of a sudden one person or like a celebrity talks about this amazing thing that she's doing. Then everyone is on Follows. it. And yeah. everyone's only doing that. Yeah. Okay. So with those two extreme ways of sleeping… Mm-hmm. What were the pros and cons for both of them for you? And why? And you said in the beginning, you do, you hated the cried out method with the the passion. Yeah. Why? For me, it was, so this is what I eventually came to understand. It wasn't the actual cried out method that I was having a hard time with. I was having a hard time with doing something for my baby that did not feel good to me. Mm. So I actually don't, I actually think the cryout method has works in many mm-hmm. ways. Like my firstborn is a great sleeper. And he was actually the type, he was the baby that when we went to hotels, I could put him in any crib or any sort of sleep setup. And he was able to fall asleep on his own without me helping him soothe. So it was so, effective. Exactly. Okay. It is effective, at least for my firstborn. I had a hard time with it because I went against my instinct, my mm. motherly instinct of what it means to nurture, care, and and support my baby. Yeah. And I think that was the real disconnect for me. Mm. So I do so again, he did cry and he would eventually self-soothe. And the cons what I learned was that the babies wake up through the night at different points of the night. And when you help them establish like a independent or like their own way to fall asleep, then they don't need you throughout the night to also fall back asleep. Mm. And that is the brilliance around this self-soothing. Or self-soothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But it it was very difficult for me too because I don't know. And it worked, but then some days it didn't work because it would work for a few nights and then the baby started to teethe and then it didn't work. And so it's very up and down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some days they would sleep like a good six hours and then some days they didn't. Mm-hmm. So the first two years, it was very up and down, I think. But with your second, what was the method then? Like the you... So with the second, it was like almost like I said, full 360 because I pretty much did co-sleeping with her. Ah. Probably the first two years. 
Wow. So it was this whole concept. And I think maybe you did some of this. It was having sort of like a bassinet Mm -hmm. close to mom's bed Mm -hmm. and attending to the baby while waking up a little bit less Mm -hmm. because the baby is a little bit closer. Yeah. And whereas with my first, he was kind of in a completely different room. Yeah. Because he would cry and part of it was to let him cry. Mm-hmm. And I would check on him, but not necessarily pick him up and hold him and like offer the breast or offer a bottle Got or it. a pacifier. So yeah. would you say now that your kids are older, do you feel like the method that you chose for each one affects them now as older children and how they sleep? Or do they both just sleep the same? I think they both just sleep the same. Okay, so this is the point I'm trying to get at. Okay, (laughs) so as stressful as it is right now, sorry guys, I'm also wearing my Invisalign for the first time. I never wear my Invisalign, (laughs) but I promised my dentist that I would actually wear it so I can have a lisp now. Yeah, good for you because I'm not wearing mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been doing this for three years and she's like, okay, how much longer do you want to do this for? And I'm like, oh my god, I'm just so bad at it. So I'm like, okay, for the next six months, I'm just going to work every day. Anyways, so my point here is that no matter what method you decide to do, once they become 7, 10-year-old, 13-year-old, they all end up sleeping on their own. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to do what feels good for you at the moment. I think so too. Yeah. And for you, because you said that with your first, you just felt this kind of um, discomfort with the cried out method, that probably made you feel better bad as a mom yeah, for it did. forcing yourself to do that yeah. and you don't want to be in a position where you're feeling you know crappy like you're going against what, what you, you think, think is good and natural yeah. and nurturing yes yeah. I think that was my biggest lesson and takeaway it yeah. wasn't necessarily the sleeping routines and the sleeping methods yeah yeah This weekend, Mm -hmm. um, I did this really fun project with my son. It's called the Domino Robot, and it's from Mm KiwiCo. And you know, we've talked about KiwiCo. I mean, love them. I mean, come on. And they send the box. It's delivered to our front door. And the box has everything he needs to build this fantastic robot. So you build it. It took him about two, three hours. He did Uh that on his own. And then you place the dominoes inside the robot. And it spits out the dominoes in a row. (laughs) No, seriously. And then you flip and then, you know, you tap it and then the entire domino row falls down and it's so satisfying. Okay, I'm sold. Like, I want to build this robot. You have to. I I mean, I know KiwiCo is for our kids, but can we just do it? No, seriously. It's like a relaxing time. It is. It really is. I mean, what I love about KiwiCo is that they make the future play just really engaging and enriching and so fun for them. They don't feel like it's learning, quote unquote learning, because it's so much fun. And they just create super cool hands-on projects that make the kids fall in love with learning. Um, And I love that it's a subscription line for kids of all ages. So for me personally, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. We get two different boxes um, every month. So there's a new project for the girls for different ages, um, ranging from infants and preschoolers and all the way up to teens. And of course, grown-ups like ourselves are welcome to join in on the fun too. So I'm going to get that robot project for sure. You should. I have to say, you know, we get them, we get the boxes every month too, but sometimes we don't use them, right? Because... We don't have time. We're doing other things. Yeah. But they are so handy. For example, this summer, we had maybe six kind of stashed up. Uh-huh. And we just did them during the summer. 
I love that. And it was so nice to just have them in the back of the playroom because they're sort of emergency little projects that are just ready and available when you guys, when we have some downtime. The best part is watching their confidence grow and just feeling that they can do a STEM project. It's amazing. KiwiCo is redefining learning with play. That's that's my co- my favorite combination. So it's explore hands-on projects that build creativity, confidence, and problem-solving skills. So you can get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with our code BUMO, B-U-M-O at KiwiCo.com. That's K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Chris? Yeah. When was the last time you got a manicure? Like two weeks ago. You? Okay. I just did mine. Do you see mine? They are so cute, by the way. Do you like them? I was staring at your nails this whole recording because they're just so fresh and so cute. I do have to say I love them. And they are from Jelly Drops. And I've been talking about Jelly Drops for a while. Yeah. They are semi-cured gel nails. And they have a ton of designs. And the, my favorite thing about this brand is I can do these gel nails at home. So you did those nails by yourself? Uh, by myself. What? I know. I thought you went to the salon. They mm. look so good. They're so good. Look how they are so pretty. I mean, you just want to smile when you look at your nails because <laughs> they're so cute. They're so cute. And actually, you know, I applied them and one of them fell off. And then I just went and re-glued it, re-cured it. Yeah, I definitely cannot do that with my own nails. I, yeah. I need to try this out. You really do have to try them. They are amazing. Okay, so this cutting edge technology originated from South Korea and they have gorgeous on-trend designs. It's convenient and mess-free, so you can apply it, like we said, anytime, anywhere. And the real gel means that it's durable and long-lasting, 7 to 14 days. Like, this one has lasted me a few days now because with a regular manicure, they only last like two or three days. Like, I have working hands. Like, these Mm -hmm. hands are cleaning, cooking all day, and a regular manicure just dies after a couple of days but these last at least a week and if you do gel like me they do ruin your nails a little bit and the long-term effects on that is not the best to be honest but i feel like with this it seems like it's easy to put on and take off and doesn't damage your nails and it, it, it's like a win-win it is and they have such pretty designs over 300 different designs and the gel set ranges from 12 to 20 dollars wow way cheaper than a manicure it i is. love that Yeah, and they do protect your nails even from breaking. And if you get a crack, you can fix it right there and then. And these actually help your nails grow. So I just love them. And we've been talking about them for a while. And now our listeners can check them out with a Bumo discount. You can get 15% off your first purchase at jellydrops.com. That's G-E-L-L-Y-D-R-O-P-S.com. I do understand though, like it's hard to think about when they're like five to eight to 10 years old, when you're kind of in the newborn stage right now. But you also have to think about yourself too, to see what is the best situation for you so you can get your sleep as well. And so if that means letting the baby cry for a little bit or for doing the cried out method so you can get your sleep, that's okay too. And so it's, you kind of have to base it off of your own situation. Yeah. So what I did, actually, my story is really interesting because I went against what everyone told me, which was cried out method with Chloe in the beginning. I I didn't want to do it. I felt so uncomfortable, so I didn't do it. But then I was two years into it and she was still waking up every two hours. And I was like, this is insane. Mm -hmm. And even my mom was like, 
No. You got to do something because you are waking up every two hours and you're not getting any sleep. You're miserable. You, you probably hate your kid for it. And so... But then every two hours, what were you doing? You were having to soothe her yes. or like pat her down or pick her up? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, it exactly. was miserable. And mm-hmm. I was... And I talk about my postpartum depression openly, but that was part of it because yeah, I was sleeping. I was right. exhausted. Right. And I wasn't enjoying motherhood. I was severely depressed and miserable. And... And so at my brilliant idea was like, okay, at the age of two, I'm going to do the cry it out method. <laughs> <laughs> and was th- that was that just you just felt like doing it, or did somebody suggest that? I was desperate. Yeah, I was just like, in I'll, desperado yeah. mode, and I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes yeah. now. Two years later, two years mm-hmm. too late. Yeah, no, to well, make this girl sleep. And this is still to. Till this day, one of my biggest regret in parenting, and I don't have much regrets. I always learn from things, but it still severely affects Chloe now as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain why in a second. But what I decided to do, I heard from someone, like some friend. And obviously, you guys have to take things with a grain of salt when you hear things from friends because what works for them might not work for you. Yeah, that is such an important lesson in parenting. Totally. It's like so, it's great. Even the things we share on this pod, it's like we are sharing it because they worked for us, but you guys need to, It's it doesn't have to be this way for everybody. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. And so this friend, she said, okay, I got this, because Chloe was already climbing out of her crib at the <clears throat> She was towards the end of two. So Mm -hmm. like closer to three. She was already like climbing out of her crib, opening the door, coming to my room and like every two hours. Right. And so this friend of mine was like, oh, there's this thing on Amazon that I bought. That was a game changer. You put it on the doorknob so they can't open the door. So pretty much locks them inside their own room. And that worked for her. And I was like, amazing. I'm going to order it. I ordered it. I tried it out. And I locked Chloe in the room during the night so she can't like come out every two hours to wake me up. And she cried and cried and cried, obviously. This is a two-year-old at this point, almost three. And I was trying to do the cried out method for a two, three-year-old. It doesn't work that way. Right. It does not work that way. And I, But I did not know. I d- did not advise with anyone. Yeah. I just went with what everyone was telling me around me. And so I... So she would just cry herself to sleep. And it's so sad thinking about it because she's fully aware of what's going Mm -hmm. on at this point. And she's actually probably really confused. She's so confused. Like she probably felt abandoned at the time, right? Yeah, I mean. And so, and obviously I did that. I only did that for like a week and I was like, this is just cruel. Like I (laughs) cannot do this. But now what has happened is that she has developed this fear of being alone in a room. Like she cannot even walk upstairs by herself to her room because she thinks that it's scary. So the Mm -hmm. bedroom has become kind of like this scary place for her. So obviously things have gotten a lot better as both girls sleep in the room, same room together. They're in the bunk bed. Colette is the one who's always like comforting her like... No, it's not scary. Chloe, like I'm here. It's so cute because Colette is like... She has really great sleeping habits. Oh. So she doesn't understand why. How did you get her to be a, uh, have a... We actually did cry it out with yeah. her, but very early on. Like okay. super early on as... I think as early as three months when yeah. you're able to kind of like let them cry it out. Yeah. And she adapted to it within the first 
I don't know, month. Yeah. And she slept like since she was a newborn child. Yeah. And so I always had cried out. That's all I kind of know. I, I think a lot of working parents do that because as you mentioned, they just need to get their sleep as well. Right. But I did it wrong with Chloe. Mm. And it's still my biggest regret in parenting. Mm. And one thing that I wish I could go back and change that I didn't do at such an, a late phase in her life. Whereas with Colette, I don't regret at all. She has wonderful sleeping habits. She could put herself to sleep. I remember at about six months, I would just drop her off in the bed, in her bed, and she would just put herself to sleep every yeah. every nap time. Whereas with Chloe, I always had to like hold her and rock her and, you know, do that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it was a complete different experience, but the same method, just in different phases of their life. Yeah. yeah. And so I am for that method because it worked. But I think what my biggest lesson was, if you're going to do it, do it earlier on. Yeah. And I think that's the mm-hmm. intention of the method because yeah. you are creating patterns from very mm-hmm. early on. Yes. And that's part of why they suggest it. I think, like you said, I don't know what it looks like when you do it like at year two or three. But I was going to go back to what you're saying yeah. because you were saying that it felt wrong, right, for you. It it, yeah. it didn't feel comfortable for you. But the whole and this is kind of like a question that I have maybe for you and like other people that maybe feel this way. It's not comfortable for any parent to listen to their child cry. Right. Right. So how do you how do you know when it's right for you? Because for me, it's like it wasn't comfortable for me either. I'm like, this feels wrong. Like the baby's crying. Yeah. But then. But then obviously with Chloe, I was like, OK, this feels severely wrong. But then with Colette, it felt uncomfortable but I pushed through Mm. and I'm so happy that I pushed through with it you know so how do you how for a new mom listening to this how do they differentiate when it feels really wrong and going against what they believe in versus when it just doesn't feel comfortable I guess yeah I think that's really hard to differentiate I think that is really hard because technically when babies cry they need to be comforted Mm -hmm. right it's it's instinctive it's it's like part of their instinct, part of what they're communicating. So as a parent or caretaker, you want to soothe them and comfort them. Right. And I think that's the right response. Mm. I think if you are a new mom and, you know, everybody needs to do their own research. But what I've understood is if you can, if you're doing the cry out method and you can see that your child is crying less every night as you're establishing mm. this routine, it's a good sign. Right. And some days it might go like 30 minutes and then jump to an hour and then it starts to reduce in time of Mm -hmm. how much they're crying. So if like the amount of time the baby's crying is reducing and it's less and less every day, it's it seems like it's a good Mm -hmm. sign and you're on a good track and it's fine. And again, also, if you can see that through the night, they can kind of whimper a little bit and fall back asleep and and let you know that the self-soothing is working. Mm -hmm. I think that that's I would I personally would feel comfortable with that. I think if it was more than that, I just wouldn't. So I'm actually Mm. a big proponent of attachment parenting. Mm. If I had a third baby, I would do attachment parenting again. Mm. I would not do the cry out. And yes, it works. Like it did work for my son. I think that there are instances that it doesn't work because the babies cry more and more and more. Mm. And so actually, to be completely honest, now that you were sharing your story about um, about Chloe and the door thing, I initially was going to do cry out with my second. Mm. But she didn't let me. Oh, how? Because again, she was 
the type of baby that like the first night she cried 30 minutes and the second night she cried five hours. And so it, I knew that that it just wasn't going to work. And the type of cry. And the type of cry. Is very important. Is very important. Yeah. And is the cry getting like more and more agitated and more and more difficult and more and more just desperate? You have to kind of yeah. know that. You have to understand that about yeah. your baby because I also don't like some parents were saying like, let your baby cry for hours and hours. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I can do that. I would not mm. do that. Mm. So with my second we had the crib, we had the little bassinet next to me. I would attend to her. And I, I don't know why, but I slept better with her the first year than I did with my first. Oh, because? Because even though, because this is how crazy, for me at least, even though he was putting himself back to sleep through the night, because he had now sort of learned to cry a little bit and whimper around and then put himself back to sleep, I was watching him through my monitor. Mm. And so every three <laughs> hours, I'm like, is he asleep? Is he turning? Is he breathing? Is he stuck? Is he whatever? Oh, yeah. And so I couldn't sleep. So you were just paranoid. So I was more paranoid. I was more worried. Whereas yeah. for whatever reason, having her next to me with my second, even though she would toss and turn and wake me up for like a few seconds, I could just kind of touch her back and then we would both kind of fall asleep again. And it just didn't interrupt my sleep as much. Mm, that's actually true. So that's kind of why I think, again, if I had a third, I would just do attachment parenting where the baby's closer. And yeah, I had to offer the breast a lot the first few months. But I think that helped me actually establish my supply and it soothed her. And I don't know, I that just felt more natural to me mm. yeah that's actually true now that I, I it's all a fog because like once you're out of it you kind of forget about it yeah. but now that I think of it the amount of kind of paranoia as a new parent and <laughs> you fall asleep for like literally five minutes and you wake up and you're like oh my god did I just sleep is a baby alive <laughs> is, is he or she okay is it 4 a.m is it 6 a.m oh my god is did it, I sleep yeah. for like the whole night but it's like no you slept for five minutes. Right? <laughs> and the amount of times that you, new parents do that. It's the whole year. The whole first year. <laughs> and that's not healthy, right? So no. I, I do see what you're saying with attachment parenting. When if your baby is right next to you and you fall deeply asleep, it's not like you're going to sleep through like his or her cry. Like you're going to hear it, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus if he or she's in a different room, the paranoia of like, oh, did I just skip it did I miss it <laughs> although I have to say yeah. some parents do skip because yeah. they they are just so, so tired. tired yeah but they say that that actually has helped them uh -huh. have the baby kind of go through the cried out method without yeah. them feeling so guilty about yeah. it yeah. <laughs> I see like I've they're that so too. tired so they're asleep and then the baby kind of self-soothes yeah 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 it's a combination of all of the things yeah. I think it's so good to kind of offer both perspectives and I, like you said at the end and then the flip side with attachment parenting is that it did take longer to get her out of our bed mm. right like even at two and a half three she was still sleeping in our bed and so that there's like a whole process around that to then eventually get her to her own bedroom oh my god same and so that took a while what ended up happening for me with chloe this is obviously before colette came into the picture i ended up having to sleep with her 
because <laughs> it yeah. just like flipped, right? I was yeah. trying to do, teach her how to sleep independently, but I ended up sleeping with her because she just couldn't sleep by herself. Yeah. And I ended up sleeping better yeah. with her. We did the Montessori style where we yeah. just put the mattress on the I floor. I love that style. Yeah. And, you know, it would just, I would just sleep there with her. But <laughs> yeah, I did that too. Yeah. I mean, it, I think I actually got that idea from you. The, You're putting the mattress on the floor. Yeah. It's yeah. Just easy, right? It's easier. You're not worried about them falling out. And another thing about my daughter that I just, that I was thinking about why she, she was like, no, we're doing attachment parenting and you're going to do it. It was like pretty much set by her. Around month 12, when I was thinking like, okay, she needs to like get out of her bed. I put her in a crib. Chris, she would bounce. So this was maybe month 18. She would bounce off the crib and it was at the lowest setting and she flipped herself out of the crib <laughs> and she literally climbed out of the crib and came back to my bed. And since then, she's she was in our bed that, that whole second and third year too. Like she just, she jumped out of her bed. That was, that That's was a very how like ambitious. determined she was. I mean, that's a great kind of description of your your daughter though because that's who yes. she is she's oh, so God. determined oh she is very determined to have her way so that was another thing sort of that just based on her personality was not going to work she's yeah. like I'm sleeping next to mom and dad and that's what it's going to be like this is my house <laughs> this is what's my happening. bed <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but yeah same so I ended up sleeping <clears throat> with Chloe for a while and on the flip side it's like yeah, I ended up sleeping with her a lot longer than what I wanted to because yeah. she was so attached to me yeah. at that point. Yeah. And but then it was once her sister came, mm -hmm. obviously not when she's a newborn, but once her sister was able to sleep by herself because she just was fine sleeping by herself. That's when I was able to finally get Chloe out of my bed. Um, oh, and shifted and now shifted the girls into together. the girls mm, sleeping together. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think anyone has to be so worried about are the kids going to be sleeping with me forever? Like no. until they're 18. Although my sister, I uh -huh. have to say, my sister, whenever she's a grown woman, she's like 32 years old. <laughs> whenever she comes back home. She still wants to sleep with my parents. I'm like that too. <laughs> and I'm almost 40. And every time I go to Wate and see my mom, I'm like, I'm sleeping with my mom. Yeah. yeah. Which is so cute. I think bed sharing is very, is wonderful. There should be some sort of boundaries and things like that. But I mean, sometimes my kids are older and I sleep with them sometimes still. Yeah. yeah depending on what's going on. You know what kind of grosses me out? What? When you go to the market and you see these pouches of baby food that are just sitting on the Shelf. shelves mm. and you're like, how long do these last? Like, what's in this, right? Yeah, gross. I've always questioned that. But ever since I've discovered Once Upon a Farm, it just makes so much more sense to me because it's cold pressed fruit and veggie pouches. It mm. is the leading baby food and kids snack brand offering and it's fresh from the fridge and I just feel so much better about feeding my kids these pouches. They have obviously baby food, but they also have these delicious dairy-free smoothies, overnight oats, plant-rich meals, and more. And they're made with whole farm fresh ingredients. They don't add any sugar, concentrates, or anything artificial. And it's just something that you feel good about feeding your child. 
um, whether it be your baby or your toddler or even for yourself as an adult. And their subscription offering is fully customizable. So you could actually pick and choose from their wide variety of blends or meals and switch it up before every delivery. And I think it's really wonderful, especially if you have different ages of kids in your family to kind of pick and choose. So yeah, I'm just obsessed with them. I think this is a great option to pack in a lunchbox, to bring as an after-school snack in the car, take to a sporty soccer, basketball practice, or to the park. Um, They have these incredible immunity blends that are made with nutrition-packed superfoods like elderberry and dragon fruit, probiotics, to really help support the little ones. And I love that the ingredients are freshly frozen to really lock in nutrients and flavor and prepared in minutes. So you don't spend like hours cooking or like thinking about how your baby is going to get the nutrients that they need. Um, And plus, you can serve them however your baby or toddler is eating these days by blending into a nutrient-packed puree or mashing for some texture or serving even as finger food to encourage self-feeding. So smart. They have thought about everything. And I love how they introduce a lot of different foods and flavors to the children. So if you guys find these at retailers or online, make sure you grab them. You can get started today and enjoy an additional 35% off your first subscription order. Use code BUMO at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. So I'm all about making things as easy as possible, grab and go, whether it be for the kids or for myself, you know, my schedule is just crazy. So what I've been doing is I just have these bars. It's called the perfect bar because they're actually quite perfect. And it's a fresh from the fridge protein snack. I don't have time to sit down for a meal every single meal, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. So sometimes I just grab and go and it actually tastes so good. I mean, sometimes too good and they're good for you. And that's why I'm so excited that here at Puma, we're actually partnering up with them with Perfect Bar and sharing one of our favorite go-to refrigerated snacks with you guys. Perfect Bar has a cookie dough-like texture, which is my favorite part. I feel like I'm having dessert. It's (laughs) creamy and full of flavor, unlike any other bar out there. And now they come in snack size, packed with up to six grams of whole food protein and 150 calories. A little goes a long way. I mean, because they are made with only whole food ingredients and they don't contain any artificial preservatives, Perfect Bar is stored in the fridge for that reason. So you could grab one after you work out or a quick bite in between meetings, which I do quite a bit because I do a lot of Zoom meetings and I'm just like back to back to back and I just grab one of these guys and it's just, it's so easy and it's so good for you and it's just convenient and Trust me, if you guys are not convinced already, they're also all non-GMO, project-verified, gluten-free, soy-free, kosher, and low GI. Perfect Bar knows it will be love at first bite. So for a limited time, they're offering you a chance to try the refrigerated protein bars for free. Here's how it works. Sign up for email or text and upload a picture of your receipt from your local grocery store, and they'll reimburse you for the cost of one bar. Directly into your Venmo, you guys, or PayPal. So this is pretty cool. All you have to do is go to perfectsnacks.com slash BUMO to get a free Perfect Bar today. That's perfectsnacks.com slash BUMO to get a free Perfect Bar today. Happy snacking. Happy snacking. 
Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Hey, friend, it's Cami Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Okay, but I have to ask, and this could be covered fully in another episode. Mm -hmm. How about mom and dad, though? Like, when Mm -hmm. do they get their own space? Like, when do they get their own time together once the kid is in the picture like do they sneak off somewhere else there is no time for each other (laughs) i mean that that's the problem right yeah yeah it's it's hard it's hard it's hard you have to figure out a schedule that works and you do have to prioritize but to be completely honest i feel like the first i don't know for us like the first year or two it was all about the babies and it's fine and then we like found our rhythm a little bit later you know it is what it is. You do kind of shift and you do have a new identity as mom and dad. Yeah. And the first couple years, you are kind of understanding what that is. Yeah. And sleeping is part of it. Like where you sleep and how you sleep and the breastfeeding, it does become like a whole new thing and a whole new element to your marriage too. I don't think we need to be so scared that it's going to ruin your marriage. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not going to have the same intimate moment as frequently, but... All of that, I think, will come later. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we should do a whole another episode on like, I mean, definitely just <laughs> for someone that isn't married anymore, just like figuring <laughs> out what actually works and what doesn't. I think that could be an interesting episode. Maybe yeah. talking to other people to yeah. see like what yeah. works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So two things that really work that two takeaways for listeners Chris that worked for you to establish healthy sleeping habits and good bedtime routines for the girls and yourself I would say for me if you are a busy working parent I do suggest cry it out method but do it early on and even as early as three three to six months I think that is like I think that's what's recommended okay yeah yeah So I I would go with what's recommended if you are kind of in that position where you have to do it. I would do that. And then the second is don't feel guilty for you to prioritize your own sleep. I know that we're always so focused on baby and their health and their well-being. But when I look back on my journey, when I wasn't sleeping, I was miserable and I hated being a mom. For that reason. And you don't ever want to feel that way. And so prioritize your own sleep. If you need, you know, just like an extra two hours or three hours. If you do have a partner, make them do the shift. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, take that nap that you so deserve. I don't know. Like I I only did the cried out method. So that's all I really know. Yeah. But for me, I was so much happier with my second because I did prioritize my sleep. Yeah. Well, technically, yeah. you did attachment parenting with Chloe. I mean, I it was reversed. It was unintended. Yeah. It was yeah, but the first two Ooh. years. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess attach. I I think I have to say that too. I think there's so much negativity around attachment parenting, as far as like, oh, you don't want your kid to be in your bed with you all the time. But honestly, they eventually get out. Yeah. And so. 
now that I look, because I kind of, as you mentioned, kind of did that without planning to. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chloe's not in my bed anymore, right? right? Yeah, and it's it it all worked out perfectly fine. Yeah. So I think not being so hung up on, you know, one thing, and just focusing on what feels right, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. How about you? That would be mine. Just to feel really good about whatever choice you make when it comes mm-hmm. to sleeping, because that was the biggest thing after I did the cry out, and then you doing the doorknob thing there's just so much guilt and anxiety about whether we made the right choice or if they will be messed up later in yeah. life but i think it's okay yeah and so for just like practical things we do stick to a routine every night and we still have pretty much the same routine okay, even before a decade we end this I, I think we should talk about the routine yeah 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 so that was kind of what i was trying to get to is that the routine that we established very early on is the same routine that we have even a decade a decade into it Mm. and so for us what it looks like is when it was just my firstborn it was mostly me doing the sleeping routine and then that changed when number two came and then we would divide and conquer Mm. but a lot of it was bath time a lot of reading time and prayer time and night time and then lots of cuddles and then kind of letting them go Mm -hmm. to sleep. They have stuffed animals that they're really comfy with and like special blankets that they're really comfy with. And some of those things, we still have Mm -hmm. them. And it really helped me set a routine and then help them have a routine that was consistent. And the real thing that truly helped me, and I was kind of a Nazi about this, was to put them to bed early. Oh, yeah. And you think that's not, you think like, oh, kind of whatever. No, I think that really is the biggest thing that made a difference in establishing good, healthy sleep habits for the for the whole house. Wait, why would you say that? Because as kids, if you don't have like a consistent sleep hour, mm-hmm. like if they're going to bed at seven or they're eight, sometimes 10. I mean, once in a while, of course, like for special days and holidays and things like that, you have days that you're going to bed later. Yeah. But I don't, I would establish like a very clear time that they should be in bed Mm. and be consistent with it because it regulates them and the consistency gives them structure and it just makes the whole thing easier. Less tears, less resistance, and just makes everything easier. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I agree. I think, I remember when I first came to your house and you're like, yeah, the kids are getting ready for bed. I was like, what it's like five thirty right now. Yeah. Like what yeah. the time we eat for dinner? Yeah, or like not even. And even but, now they go to bed at eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah it works for us. Yeah, same. I think the schedule, and of course, you know, I have to just put this out there. I can only control what I can control. Like what yeah. their dad decides to do is what he decides to. Do. I mean, we're we're great co parents, but you know, for him, it's like I they stay up later. With yeah. him. And that's something that I've had to become a little bit looser about. But I, oh. I, I became kind of like a sleep Nazi too, like you. Where <laughs> yes. I'm like, you are in bed no low, no later than 8, which means that we have to start our bedtime routine by 7. Exactly. Have dinner by 5. Yeah. So I still do that with them. And it's really, really good. And actually, kids need a lot of sleep. They, they do. People, I mean, they can function with like 7 hours of sleep. But they actually no, they need yeah. like 10 plus hours. They do. So it's surprising to me when they go to bed at like… 8 or sometimes 7.30 when I'm just like, you guys need to go to sleep. I'm tired. Yeah. And sometimes it's for us yeah, too for because us. I'm like, I'm after done. 7.30, I am not available. No. <laughs> I need my time. I'm Bye. Out. You are going to bed now. But they still wake up at the same time. Yeah. So it just shows you that they actually need that full 10, 11, 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> 
sometimes. But yes, routine is so, so important. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, that's kind of what we wanted to cover just to give you confidence and let you know that whatever method you choose, we've tried both mm -hmm. truly. And by now our kids are older, they have their routines and more than which method you try, the establishing a routine that's consistent, I think has been yeah. the most helpful thing. Yeah, agreed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know if you want to hear any other topics around whether it's this newborn series or other topics. Hit us up on IG, give us a DM, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We want to keep this conversation going with you. So please leave us a DM on Instagram and make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast. And we would love it if you left us a review. Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to visit us at Bumo Work at Westfield Century City Shopping Center. And if you're looking for educational-based content entertainment for your little ones, visit us at www.bumobrain.com or at Bumo Brain on Instagram. Bye.